And he looked at me, and I looked at him, and then he goes, butterscotch? And I go, yeah. And he goes, Sam? And I go, yeah. And he goes, butterscotch. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 134 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth, and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam, and I'm doing a lot of copy pasting. I'm Sam, and I'm making art. And this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is January 22nd, 2018. Exclamation mark. 2018. Eighteen. Before we get started, we have a warning. Anything can happen on this show. There's going to be profanity. Definitely. If you don't like that, if you got sensitive ear tubes, get out of here. See a doctor. Or you're going to get some ear abrasions mm-hmm. from all the abrasive language. That's true. All right. Yep. <laughs> uh, so we got some news today. Uh, last week, we spent the whole week working on our new game, which we have a name for. But uh, we're not going to reveal it yet. (laughs) Why are we not going to reveal it? Because we need to lock that shit down. Down. Yeah. We mostly have. I think we we have. It's now on the App Store. Not not publicly, of course, but it's now on the App Store. It's now on Google Play. We still got to lock down Steam, though. But the neat thing, though, is that all the stores now. I got to check into Google Play. I can't remember if they have it. But Apple now has early sort of sign up for games. Sort of a a pre-order, but not really. It's like a. It's more like a more like a Kickstarter. Sign, yeah, almost. It's like a sign up, and then when the when the game goes live, then you get charged. So as opposed to getting the money before, which is mm-hmm. probably actually a smarter way to do pre-orders, frankly, right? I mean, yeah, yeah as in I'll buy like, this game when it comes out. Right. Well, I think it depends, you know, because if if you're the kind of person who's living paycheck to paycheck and you have your your gaming budget down to the fucking dime, mm. and you can't be like, yeah, just you, charge me whenever. Yeah, <laughs> right. But yeah. So and uh, and Apple's is a, I think it's a ninety day window. So as soon as you're like, hey, this is going to happen, it has to happen. You have to oh, launch the game in 90 days. So you're locked in. Yeah. And then I can't remember if Google Plays is doing it, but Wait, I think they have something similar. What happens if you do? Yeah. I don't know. Probably nothing. Then yes. they delete all your pre-orders. Everybody probably, is yeah. sad. Yeah, you Actually, you're sad. The players are sad. And then Steam has their coming soon thing. So basically what we're going to do is before we announce it, we'll actually get it. We'll get those things set up so that we have all the, all the pieces in play before someone can go and just like steal the name because it's a good name. It is a good name. Yeah. We we spent uh, our naming process was forty five minutes of going through Thothorath, mm-hmm. uh, trying to find synonyms, all this stuff, and then Sam looked up phrases about. I'm not gonna say yeah. It, so but. phrases. This is actually one of my favorite ways to do it now. It's just if you have a word or a concept that is sort of integral to the whole thing you're trying to build, is just look up phrases with and then whatever that word with is. with this word in them. Uh, and there's I don't know how this works. I don't know who's doing this. Work. Who did this? Who did this? But someone has collected, you know, all of the phrases and then just made every phrase. <laughs> made basically a searchable <laughs> thing. So any word you put in there, they're like, oh, you want to hear about birds? All the phrases involving birds? Here's a list of like 300 bird phrases. <laughs> and then you can just look through there. And so it allows you to get kind of uh, sort of, it helps you, I think, think a little bit more, uh, you know, laterally, but also oftentimes within the constraints of the language. In a it way also helps you get hokey. It does. Yeah. Because you find stuff important. in there where you're like, what? <laughs> yeah. I, well, I still remember f- forever ago, and I don't even remember what game it was for, but we were looking up what well, we were calling old people words, though our father was not, yes. not impressed. I with. was like, hey, dad, could you tell me more of those old people words? And he's like, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> those are just my words. Those are the snapper. Those are the words I grew up with. But it was hilarious because we, we just found these lists of them that people had curated of just, uh-huh. and I don't know. I don't know what they called them, but they they were 
effectively just kind of old timey colloquialisms, right. you know. Yeah, but those lists are real fun. They're great. Things like Boondoggle, yep. Rapper Snapper, Rapscallion. You'll notice that we use these words a lot because they're all great. They're and good words. Yeah. Yep. You got to be careful though. Because a lot of them have a sordid past. Yes. Yep. So actually, was right. the first thing we did was we made a list of all of them. And then we we're going to use them, I think, as enemy names in one of the, the games that we canceled a while ago. And and then I had to go through and look up, like, is blank racist was basically sort of the question. Right. And, like, a good fifth of them had some real dark. Real, it's real bad. And you wouldn't even know nowadays. Yep. Which and is then, and about half of them were sexist. Yep. And then, yeah. It was, which, it's, yeah, it's stupid because they they sound so whimsical and fun yeah. as words. And, and then when like, you oh, look God. at the hidden meaning behind them, you're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> So you got to be careful. You got to know your, know your words. Um, so we, last week, so we got the name and then we, we got uh, Rumpus, which is our web technology mm-hmm. integrated. Uh, so now in the game, you can, you can build your levels, you can publish them to the web mm-hmm. and then other players playing the game can see the list of publicly available levels and right. play them. So that's, that's three weeks of dev was this done now. Mm-hmm. Close the door on three weeks where we have, Something like 40-something unique mechanics you can put into your levels. You can make a username. You can sign in. You can publish things to the web, and you can play other people's levels. So we did it in three weeks. And I think, well, I think my favorite part about it was good. I had built to test out uh, a bunch of the the overall mechanics of the game and sort of get some better game feel notes for, for Seth. I had put together just this really densely intense uh, level. It's called Garden Path because the idea is it'll try to make you do something and you're supposed to do something else, right? concept of garden path and you lead someone to something and then you kill them basically at the end of the day. So in a level. Very sinister. Very sinister. So uh, so I finished this thing and it's harder than shit. And so I finally beat it and we had this problem. Because well, you, you have to beat the level to publish it, right. which is a concept that that we are borrowing from Mario Maker because it works. It's very smart. It works perfectly as a means of filtering out impossible levels. Mm-hmm. The creator of the level has to beat it. And at that moment, they can choose to publish it. Right. And so the problem was I had noticed earlier that you could actually beat a level in debug mode and then publish it, which means that you could basically spawn yourself right above the exit point and then just, and then just publish it. And, then just be and so I had beaten the whole thing, um, but misclicked and didn't click on the publish button, which actually just reset the level. And so I was like, oh, shit. And so I just moved over there and started the debugger to see if I could just hop in and publish it. And then the publish button didn't appear. And I was like, Seth, did you already put this in? He's like, yeah, you asked for it. <laughs> so then another 10 minutes went by. So the last like 30 minutes of Thursday last week was me repeatedly beating this level because I kept on accidentally not publishing it. Finally got to publish it. And then uh, and then I ended up watching Seth, I think for like 15 minutes or so, just die a ton of times trying to beat this thing and then finally beat it. And it was super fun. Like, it's just so good to watch watch people I guess in this case, die as they're trying to work yep. their way through creation. <laughs> yeah. And what I'm most excited about is, is the discoverability problem. Yes. Uh, which is a thing that basically very few platforms have solved in a meaningful sense. Everyone's got their methods. Yeah. So, so the, the problem of discoverability is when you've got thousands or tens of thousands or millions or billions of things that you can show to a person, how do you decide what to surface, mm-hmm. right? Well, all, there's the, but there's an earlier side too, which is how do you make it so that as much of the stuff that's in there is worth surfacing in the first place? Right. right. So you got to, you, you got to quality yeah. Yeah. up front. And so uh, Google is sort of the, the pinnacle of this, you know, discoverability thing. Cause that's basically their whole, their whole model. Well, was, yeah. Their model is don't worry about it. At the, they don't worry about the first part. You just, yeah. They just say, 
we're just only going to focus on the the searcher, you know, the person doing the searching and try to guess what they mean and mm-hmm. give them just the thing they need, right? Because when you when you Google stuff, you're going to look at like the top two to three results and then everything else, you're like, that's probably irrelevant, right? Mm-hmm. Even though it may say, returned 14 million results for this thing that you search for. Yeah, no one goes beyond the first page, yeah. let alone the first like six Yeah, items. and so on something like the App Store or Google Play where there's, you know, 7,000 games coming out a week, um, discoverability is a big deal because as developers, you know, you make your game, you put it out there, and if if the store doesn't surface it to people when they search for it or just on the home page or whatever, then nobody will play it. Yeah, and, I, and I years of actually, work just disappear. I would actually make the argument now that so the stores take thirty percent of everybody's revenue, right? Yeah, and I I am personally of the of the the viewpoint that them earning their keep involves actually tackling this discoverability problem uh, nowadays because all the other tech has sort of it's been the same. Yeah, like nothing's actually changed about how we like upload stuff and how they handle all that. But the, the problem that has been has been getting bigger and bigger and bigger is this discoverability issue. And it used to be the case that you were essentially guaranteed some number of, you know, eyeballs on everything that that came out. And that was part of the pitch for all the stores was, you know, put it here, people will find it. Which is millions of people using our store. And so, if, and so people will see your game. Right. And it's just not quite the case not anymore. The case. So yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, yeah. So we have this problem with the levels in this platformer builder thing that we're making, which is we're going to have... I mean, I assume we're going to have hundreds of millions of people probably. making Well, it is a paid levels. game, so there'll probably be like 12 people. There's going to be 12 yeah. people. And then a jillion pirates and trying to hundreds of it. millions mm-hmm. of pirates trying to play these games, yep. these, these levels made by the 12 people who bought it. And the question is, how do we make this a good experience for both the pirates, you know, the 12 mm-hmm. million pirates, mm-hmm. as well as the 12 people who bought the game? Yep. Uh, because when you make a level, you want people to see it. And when you're playing levels, you want to play good levels, right? Um, and so we're, we're taking a page out of social media's book mm-hmm. and we're going to try to, we, so this is, this is an idea we have, we haven't executed it yet. So no promises, mm-hmm. right? It's just, just, just development chat. Yeah. Um, so we want to come up with a, a sort of a follower system where, uh, if, so you can search through a list of levels and if you have a level that you really like, you can just follow the creator of that level and you'll have a little feed thing that'll show you a, a sort of a constantly updating stream of levels made by all the people that you're following. So kind of like how when you follow somebody on Facebook, you know, you go to your you go to your uh, homepage, your news feed, and it just shows you all people's baby pictures. Mm-hmm. This is like that, except it's, it's stuff awesome that's stuff. actually good that you want to engage <laughs> with. <laughs> so it should be. <laughs> Yeah, and then we're, we're looking at building a, basically a playlisting system that works as similar to what you'd see on something like YouTube. I mean, anybody on YouTube can go and, and essentially cobble together a playlist that is somehow thematically, you know, oriented. And then people can either subscribe to, like, you can just pull that playlist down and sort of save it for yourself or, uh, you know, subscribe to that person because they make good playlists. And so that's another interesting thing that, that some of these, and Super Mario Maker in particular, doesn't allow you to do is there's, there's, no, there's no power in someone just acting as a curator. So, for example, maybe I don't like I don't like building levels, but I love playing them, and I got good design sense. And so, I have collected, you know, all these awesome levels. It'd be really cool if you could share you know, that collection. Share that collection, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and then we'll do. And then everybody gets everybody gets credit because you can see the usernames mm-hmm. and everything. So you can see the username for the list, so the person who curated. Mm-hmm. You see the usernames of all the people who made it, all the little components, you know. So right. it's yeah, it's good. Yeah. So basically, ecosystem. we have like three more weeks, yeah, to make all that. Facebook in this game plus. Mario Maker. The reason I'm confident <laughs> is because Adam made Battle.net in like about six weeks. Yep. 
So I think the reason can, that I'm confident is because as we've envisioned everything, I actually don't have to do any more work to make this happen. Yeah. So it's really all sets problems. Problems. Yeah, the, what, yeah. The reason that we can do this is because Rumpus is the web technology that Adam spent the last basically year putting together. Mm-hmm. And it is a, a super generic API. That's like a crazy, it's almost like Dropbox. Yeah. Where we can just really easily generate files of mm-hmm. any kind and push them over to the server, pull them down. They can be, attached to certain users and be, and how we can set up rules and permissions for them. Um, and so we were talking about how do we publish levels to, you know, to the web so that other people can download them. And Adam's like, Oh yeah, we'll just use the same system. We just need to like check this box. Right. Boom. It's done. Yep. Uh, <laughs> it, so, is, it is one checkbox that allows that. Yeah. It allows is. a user <laughs> to publish content. Yeah. And then and, we said, well, we don't want people to be able to edit stuff. Cause what happens if you have a whole bunch of high scores on a level that people it. have submitted and now you go change your level. Then now all those high scores don't mean anything. So we have to wipe it. And we just said, well, we don't, we just don't want to do that. So now if you publish a thing, it just has to be, when you publish, to when you publish like a level, so I was just yeah. checking another box. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Cool. So the way that the way the game works then is you, you can edit a level as much as you want, but then as soon as you publish it, it's gone. Yep. The level is it's gone. It's no longer in your editable level library mm-hmm. and you have pushed it out onto the web it's in a permanent state now mm-hmm. for the world to enjoy. So you kind of think about it like if you put a YouTube video up. Yep, same idea. You know, you can't then be like, I'm going to add a scene to which, this. Which you know? does <laughs> sometimes suck because you're like, ah. Yeah. Well, and the thing <laughs> is, yeah, but you know, whatever. Is it, yeah. is it does, it, it, as the user of the thing, it feels like a serious limitation to not be able to mm-hmm. edit the thing that you've made or in the case of the requirement that you beat your level before you publish it. Right. Uh, it also feels unfair because if you're not a very good player, but you feel like you've got great design sense, you know, uh, then you can make something that you think is amazing and that you're you're just 100% certain can be beat or at least is a hugely enjoyable experience. And so you want to just be able to publish it anyway. Mm-hmm. And but and so it is it is absolutely the case that for a lot a lot of people are going to feel like this is kind of a bummer that they have these constraints. But if we didn't have those constraints, oh, yeah. then the curation problem. Then everything goes to shit is a fucking nightmare because Mm -hmm. now all of a sudden we have a million minor variations of every single level that exists. Yeah. People have made, they keep on making tweaks over time and republishing or they, you know, can re can work, build on each other's work. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. And if there's, if there's a hundred different versions of the level that you just got the high score for. Was Your it high mean? score now it means it nothing. Mean yeah, yeah, because somebody else may have played the harder or easier one and gotten a, a better high score than well, you and, did. You know, and if our you know curation and system sort of identifies things that are similar that people like the same, then you're going to see you know five of the same level with minor variations back to back when you go do a search or mm-hmm. something. Right. So so there's that, and then when it comes to the the requirement for for publishing or for uh for beating your level, that's the same kind of a deal because it's trivially easy to make a level that isn't fun and is unbeatable. Correct. Um, that's the default. It's in fact, that's the default. It's in fact <laughs> far easier to make an unbeatable level than a beatable one. And, and here's, and I was having, I was having a discussion with somebody about this who strongly disagreed, which is actually Flavin, who mm-hmm. might be listening to this podcast right now. One of our podcasts. Uh, we were having this He's discussion. about to go on blast. You guys got coffee. <laughs> you guys got coffee, didn't you? Yeah. We were, we were having this discussion about, uh, uh, about the, the rationale for doing this because, because mm-hmm. his stance was, well, you know, just let people figure it out, right? right? Because if they have the option, then they then people can play stuff just because it's fun. You know, the, the, this sort of focus on being able to beat a thing um, doesn't have to be what's important. Uh, but my the thing that that was important to me was that if we want to make if we want to allow people to make really hard levels, then that only works if the person playing that level can trust 
that it's been that beaten. things are possible. Yes. That it's yeah. not hard just because it's literally that impossible. That it's literally impossible. Yeah. So if, if there's a jump that looks impossible, but the game has been published, then you know it's not impossible. Right. You know that it can there's happen. And now way. there's some way. So it, basically this gives people hope. It gives people hope. Well, it gives people hope <laughs> and it gives them trust in the system. Yeah, because yeah. the moment the moment that that's not true anymore, the moment that any level that you download, when you see a jump, it might literally be impossible. Then now there's all of the whole incentive, all of the drive to given some hard challenge to trying to overcome it goes away because you don't actually know if it's even possible right. anymore. Right. Yep. And so, so, so you I, try stuff and you're like, well, fuck this. And then you just yeah. stop playing. Another thing is like we have, because of all the other mechanics in it, we actually have a really rich uh, puzzle element to the whole game. Yeah. Like you can, if you want, you could actually build really robust and weird uh, puzzles using push blocks and pressure levers and switches and portals. Sort of stuff. And I made, I made in this, in this garden path level, I made it so you had to jump up and there are these fade blocks that are like sort of uh, heavy fog, right? So you can step on it, and then after a short time, it dissipates, and it's gone forever. And there's a push block on one of them, and then there's an enemy far, far, far down below. So you're up in the sky at this point. And if you don't kill the enemy uh, that's down below, that's sort of hovering above a pressure switch, then if you push that puzzle block off, then it, of course, just lands on the enemy's head, and it can't actually hit the button. <laughs> so what we, have to, we have to do is you have to, you have to jump off of the enemy's heads to sort of climb up like three stories, essentially, and then jump onto this bank of fog, shove the push block off. Jump before the fog dissipates. Before the fog dissipates. And then jump in the air while the platforms disappear. Uh, and then the door opens essentially like just a moment later because the pressure switch is now clicked because the block fell down, right? Yeah. And I mean, and if you're coming into that, you have to know that's possible. Yes, exactly. Because if you don't know if that's possible, you're looking at it and you're going to say it. No, what the hell's uh, happening? Right? Yeah, this, this is, is just bullshit. somebody fucking with you. Right <laughs> which, which it is. is true, <laughs> but it's true. also beatable, yeah. which is the important thing. Um, other news is uh, Crashlands two year anniversary. Yeah, was yesterday. Yesterday, yesterday I f- I feel like I feel like we're waking up from a hangover or something. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm with you there. Where it's like, what what even happened in the past two years? A lot of things happen. Too many, things, but I, I think a lot did. You know, something something we talked about um, earlier like a few episodes ago is just the idea of sort of getting back to our roots and bringing our focus back to just get, just delivering really good content to our players. And, you know, over the past couple of years, we put a huge focus on figuring out like, how do we, how do we become like a real business, you know, mm-hmm. get on to get the game onto more platforms and localize stuff everywhere and get stuff to new markets and, you know, expand our personnel and all this stuff and like reading management books mm-hmm. and, um, and that whole time we just didn't, didn't make any games, make any games, yeah. Yeah. uh, which of course is ridiculous. Cause that's sort of the whole, that's our whole that's thing. Kind of the point. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. should have been for the last two years. We've been butterscotch shenanigans, cra- a crash land studio, not a right. game studio. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, the interesting thing about it is we, and we, we've talked about this before, but we spent all the energy went to building the studio. Yeah. All of it. And and I know it's weird as a, I'm sure as a player, and of course, anybody who listens to the podcast has sort of seen a little bit of this, uh, the ups and downs, but, but the truth is like, we, that's really what, you know, 90% of our energy has been devoted to. And so it's been frankly, just like weird. And yeah, I, had the same, <laughs> I had the same feeling when I was looking back and I was like, what, what happened? happened? Mm-hmm. What happened? Um, and luckily, I mean, the, the, you know, crash is still kind of kicking, which allows us to not, not stress about, you know, just like punching games out that are garbage because we did, we still have enough revenue. Yeah, well, fine, this, this is something that people rarely talk about is is that, like, but, you know, before we launched Crashlands, I remember w- one of the reasons we picked the launch date was because we had $500 left in the bank. And we were yes. like, we have to get, we have to get this. Well, you guys out. actually weren't even being paid. 
Yeah. So by we, that point, so yeah, we were we, for a while, yeah. and then the, the flop rocket and quadrupus money kind of trickled off. Right. right, and it wasn't exactly. much in the first place. But, it was yeah. very little, um, but we kind of hit that that point where we were like, we just, like we have to get this thing out. Mm-hmm. And even in the midst of crash lands, you know, like, oh, we need to get something out because we're we're running on empty, right? So we we made flop rocket and published that thing, and um, and once that. Once you get a game out that actually does well, then that that pressure is gone, right? Correct. And so uh, now and all of a sudden, there's just there's no more constraints. So you're, you're like, what what should we try? And you look at what other people are doing, and you know, and you have all these visions of of the future that could be, and you just start trying all things. of those yeah. visions, you know. And uh, because yeah, because there is no limitation. And this, this is kind of like we talked about a while back on the podcast about the problem of being immortal, you know, yep. and how there's no how nothing means anything anymore and there's no pressure to do anything. So why do anything? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and the, you know, the same thing kind of happens where like once that, once that pr- time pressure is gone to actually produce stuff, then you, you just kind of don't. Yeah. It's so, very, it's very easy to, well, I think really what it is is actually you still do, but you do it in such a different way. And that's actually what was happening because our focus became on, became so intensely oriented around ramping the quality up. Well, not, not only that, but we spent a lot of time doing experiments, trying to figure out like, what about, mm-hmm. you know, the price of games? How does that affect things? And did a pricing experiments with the crash lands and running analysis on that and things on like AB testing our newsletters and AB mm-hmm. testing our icons and store descriptions and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, Which like was all neat, I guess. Well, yeah, it's, we, we learned a lot and some of it uh-huh. was enormously valuable. Yes. Um, and so, so looking back, I, I wouldn't say at all that we've, We've wasted two years or anything like that. No, I don't. No, but I don't think so. We, we, did, we definitely, different. yeah, but it wasn't. It wasn't really what we thought we were going to spend our time doing, Correct. and it kind of snuck up on us just how much time actually we spent. Because you know? <laughs> it is just kind of when 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 somebody in our in our Discord yesterday was like, "Happy birthday, Crashlands," and uh, and I was like, "Shit, it's been yeah. two years. <laughs> two years. We didn't even have that on the calendar. Yeah. Like, I didn't even know that yeah. was a thing." Yeah. Um, and even, and even, you know, that, especially that first year after, you know, we put out a couple of patches, we put a whole bunch of time into controller support Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And we, we did expand the game, but, but again, we didn't have any new, new games, Mm -hmm. uh, in the works or coming out even until, uh, January of last year is when we started working on basically the next game. So, you know, which was a year after Crashlands, right? right? Um, and so, yeah, so, I mean, this is, we're getting, we're getting back into it. Yeah. This year. I, I remember this, uh. When my advisors in school said something that always scared the shit out of me, where she was like, "You gotta be careful," because I feel like you're the sort of person who's gonna be just working really hard at a thing, and then like ten years later, you're gonna look up and wonder what the fuck just happened. <laughs> like you didn't plan whatever this was. Yeah, and didn't you just step sort of, back enough. Yeah, you just sort of were along for the ride. And I think to a degree, like it's it's true. I don't I don't feel like we've wasted our time in sort of in the sense of not. It's not that we haven't gotten anything in the last few years. Um, I think it's just the case that we didn't necessarily get what we intended to get. Yeah. If that makes sense. And so, yeah, I'm really excited about 20 great team, you know, return Quit to the fucking roots. around. Quit fucking around. <laughs> uh, you yeah. know, we got this, this platformer maker, which, which will be done soon. I mean, it, frankly, we could just publish the damn thing. Pretty soon. We probably we could get like a, a few UIs in there. And we're good. Yeah. I still have to replace the website though. I mean, a few of the art pieces but, I think are ugly, you know, yeah, but some think, of them are still, I think I only need, if, if I have this whole week just to work on the website, then that'll be done. Mm-hmm. So then that'll be Good to go. Yeah. Well, and, this, I'm gonna, and I'm also I'm going to burn down everything that that Sam says. Let me burn down. That's which that's, is that's literally my, everything. Which because is, I at don't this care. Because <laughs> uh, like we got this blog. And I'm looking at this blog and I'm like, nobody reads this. It's How all wrong you? now. It's so far down. You can't the page. even find it. Where does it even? Yeah, live? What if we just 
Dude, also, I was it's thinking, hideous. Dude, I was it's thinking, heavy. I was like, I want to, I want to write a, a sort of a dev blog because, well, here's another thing is we used to do all this awesome shit that I loved doing like dev blog dev posts, posts, right? Uh-huh. And then we, and then after crashes, we were like, Ooh, but you know, sometimes when people search for Crashlands, these old, you know, screenshots come up from early in development and maybe that like hurt us, man, you know, mm-hmm. but who gives a fuck? Maybe it did. Maybe it didn't. I don't know. I think the important thing is that, that we, we is that we, <laughs> that we stand in, in our truth, you know, <laughs> and we're like, we fucking love talking about making our games. So let's do that. Right. The end. Just, right. Right? just quit worrying about it. Yeah, quit worrying about it. Yeah, as Sam was saying with like our uh, with uh, our newsletter, trying to figure <laughs> out like yeah, just yeah. I was thinking, I was like, maybe we should just not even have a blog and instead just have our uh, newsletters, newsletters yeah. and that people subscribe to. And if they want, if they want to hear what we have to say, they can just get it in their fucking inbox. Sure, and then we don't have to. Let's worry do about it. it. No, I want I want to keep the blog because I want to write fucking blog posts. I mean, these would sometimes. then just be newsletters instead. It would be equivalent, just you know. They just, just put it in there. They would just go to people's inboxes. The whole idea is that they could also show up. Anyway, we'll we'll discuss this <laughs> later. The whole point is who gives a the fuck. Point, yeah. yeah, the point is we could burn. We could just burn basically everything down. Yeah. Burn it. So burn it. The podcast page will be burnt down soon. Uh, the podcast page, it, it is the bottom of my priority list because guess, yeah, we just, can, we can launch, like everything can be fine. We can launch this new game. We can do all kinds of stuff without having that redone. Um, but I would, if I can, if there's, if there's not more pressing stuff, as soon as I get the rest of the website rebuilt. You already did a few fixes to it last week. Yeah. Last week. Yeah. Just for all, all your listeners who've interacted with the horrible podcast website, which is that podcast.bsketch.net. Yeah, mm-hmm. so shield you shield your eyes a little bit when you get there. Uh, but it's it now has paging on the on the episodes wow, list. Wow, it's very web 2.0. I know because it, it used to have <laughs> it used to just be a long list of 130 episodes. Some would say too many. Some would say, <laughs> some would say that and be correct. You just yep. keep scrolling and, and you just scroll forever. And then the questions are below that. And of course, you just have to try to find the link that says "click here" to go to the questions. Or My whatever. favorite one is actually to log in. Uh, that is still a problem. There's like a little tiny hyperlink. Yeah, just like one in a, in a paragraph. It's like, oh, you need to log in to ask a question. And also yep. you need to go to the forums to log in and right. go yep. back to the and podcast. And that was because at the time. No, I mean, still. Bscotch ID, you can only log into in games, right? Yeah. And then and then I hacked into the forums to make it so that you could sort of log in, <laughs> right? Using Bscotch ID into the forums. And so that allowed, you know, that allowed mm. this this one place on the internet that you could log into Bscotch mm-hmm. ID, which was the forums. And my my options at that point, once we had that going, and we had it going for a while before we made the before I made the podcast page, was either I could set up a login system, you know, for real, and then that sounds like a lot of work. It does, right? <laughs> or I could say, well, I've already hacked this other thing. Probably I could just have it live on the. Can't, it actually lives on the forums. So the podcast.bscotch.net is actually forums.bscotch.net slash podcast, right? That's where it yeah. lives. It lives in the podcast software. It's part of the, the forum software, yeah. I like that uh, you just kind of look at the forums sideways and you're like, I could turn that in. If I just put a tube, if I just put a tube between there. There's there's a whole bunch of stuff like that. Like our contact page is really wacky because, and of course nobody can tell what's happening behind the scenes, but our, but our podcast page or sorry, our contact page. Um, does it also use the forums? It doesn't, but it, but it does use all the old legacy Bscotch okay. ID stuff. So yeah. what happens if you submit something is it talks to it talks to the WordPress, like a, like a hacked-in thing on WordPress, because that's where, what our blog lives on, right? Mm-hmm. And that, then behind the scenes, just sends a request to the forums server. Mm. 
because that's where the data it needs is at, right? And then that's where it loads things. And there's like this script running that just calls functions in like the, on the Bscotch ID server. The whole thing is just a fucking spaghetti nightmare because everyone's will have to go update something. And I'm like, I this must have made sense at the time. So it was I like mean, it was like it on so it was like on day one. Work. Adam showed up at the studio with like a roll of duct tape and a yeah. hammer and was like, "All right, I'm gonna make." <laughs> And that it's not going to be pretty. That that bring you boys into the web century. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you're ready. Yeah, I brought I brought us into like '90s web. I think when I when I joined the studio. Yeah. Let's get into the, let's get into the 2000s this year with mm-hmm. Rumpus. Oh, this year, I mean, I'm going. We're going real. Forward. We're going into we're going into out. 2020. Yeah, we're going basically. easily into. I, I like to stay about you know a year behind standards because you know yeah. if you're if you're at the bleeding edge. That's you're you're, gonna bleed. you're, gonna yeah, bleed. you're bleeding. Yeah, you're just cut everywhere. It's horrible. That's the thing. Yep. And so uh, to prevent us from bleeding to death, and I, you know, I I went back about a year, and I was like, what were people just fucking raging about and so pumped about? So we're kind of on ago. the uh, like the dulled sort of well worn yeah, exactly. edge right. of technology. Right. So, so so now yeah. we're real. It's like it's, we're real real modern right now. Fuck we yeah. jumped into the future ten years with this new web tech. Yeah. All good. right. Well, let, let's hit some. So here's some other things we need to hit before we get on to some questions. Oh yeah. So first thing. Toxic communities, one oh, of yeah. our favorite topics. As you all know, <laughs> Community Overwatch has one of the best toxic communities in the world. It's just great. Okay, <laughs> it's real toxic. Award-winning <laughs> toxicity all around. Um, there was a so they they started a new thing called Overwatch League, which mm-hmm. is like the e-sports. Overwatch their official esport for which Overwatch. again i fucking love that it's called esports because it takes me back to the days of evites mm-hmm. and basically where anything anything over the internet had to have an e in front of it yep right the only thing that has survived that is email that's true mm-hmm. uh, so overwatch it'll league just be a sport it'll just be sports yeah. some of them happen to be digital some of them happen mm-hmm. to be analog which is like football right, right. Uh, I'm gonna play an analog. Go, <laughs> gonna play some analog sports. Uh, so Overwatch League, this this pro uh, got a two thousand dollar fine and got I think suspended, not permanent. Yeah, he was banned. kicked for like a season or I don't, I don't know how the structure thing, yeah. works, but yeah, yeah for for, for throwing uh, homophobic uh, language toward mm-hmm. a gay opponent, mm-hmm. which uh, of course it wouldn't have been okay anyway, obviously. But then it was particularly egregious because it was an openly gay opponent. So, right. so this was not just your run-of-the-mill, you know, thirteen-year-old idiot. This is a guy who's literally a guy who's literally hateful. And, it's, a and his job is is to play Overwatch. Like yeah. this is he's doing this now professionally as an esportician. I think is the yeah, is yep. term. Uh, yeah. So I was so didn't th- matter. He's like, I'm, it's worth it. I'm going <laughs> to risk it. I'm going to risk it all. <laughs> I'm just going to do it. So now this now this really annoyed the shit out of me. Uh, I mean, I, I, not not even the fact that it happened, although that's obviously not great, but Blizzard's yep. response was so fucking weak. You know, like, suspended it, him for two weeks or yeah, whatever. Yeah, suspended him for two weeks or whatever, as if this was a big deal. I'm like, fuck no. If, you're, if your goal as a as a company is to is to basically make a public statement saying, we don't support this kind of assholery, yep. right? Permanent ban. You want to make an ban. omelet without any racial slurs in it? Yeah. You got to break Get rid of the racists. Eggs. That's the only way, yeah. you know? Uh, I mean, I assume he's also racist because those Who all knows? go together. <laughs> uh, it's a safe assumption. Uh, so, but yeah, I, I, this is the part that's really aggravating to me is there's all this, you know, all these AAA CDs are like, oh, our, our communities are so toxic. We don't know what to do. Uh, and then they, and then this is how they handle stuff. They're just like, well, I mean, I guess it's okay because we punished you a little bit. 
And so maybe you won't do it again. Right. But there is no, there's no attempt at all just to say, just to make a strong, absolute, unambiguous statement that not even just this behavior isn't allowed, but we don't want people like this here. And I think that's what's missing is is everyone's focused on behavior. It's not just saying, if this is the kind of person you are, we don't want you here. We don't want your money. Well, it's like if you're in a bar and you're being an asshole, you get, you can get kicked out of the bar and punched. And you can also be punched <laughs> yeah. and thrown in the dirt, right? Yeah. Um, By but, a bouncer. Yeah. The interesting thing about games, of course, in game communities is that there's there's not an, not necessarily an easy way to like actually kick someone out of the bar. No, except in esports because you can see their fucking face. Exactly. Right? <laughs> you know, you know so, yeah. exactly who they are. There's the sponsorship be, and everything. Yeah, it should yeah. be the easiest, the easiest place to so do it. should be so easy. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really curious what the, you know, what the continued shenanigans are in that. Yeah, well, yeah, this, this takes me back to, uh, so Jeffrey Lynn was the lead psychologist at Wright Games. Mm-hmm. And basically this was his job, yeah. was use psychology to try to keep people from being dicks to each other mm-hmm. on the internet. And uh, it didn't work. Well, it did work. They, they did reduce toxicity. They, they reduced it. Yeah. But their, their stance was toward rehabilitation. Right. Yeah. The idea being that if somebody goes joins an online game and just starts throwing out, you know, homophobic slurs, racist slurs, mm-hmm. whatever. That you know what? They're just having an off day. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that, that was that was how they that, fucking described yeah, it. Yeah. And it's like And it's like, no, that person is an asshole. Yeah, and it's like this is normally just a very good person. Who just happened? To, you know, that's not how is, people work. The thing is, they spilled their coffee that morning, and now, and now they're no, now suddenly they're racist. <laughs> well, the interesting thing about it is that because because people learn, uh, people do learn essentially what the boundaries are, right? Yeah, and they're always and, trying to fucking find that line. Oh, they're right? always trying to find the line. But the interesting thing I think with the, with the right example is actually that they did find that through the their with essentially their rehabilitation stuff, anybody who did end up getting flagged for uh, some sort of toxic behavior when they came off of their ban or whatever else, like they had a, only like, it's only like a 10% what you call recidivism, which is someone doing it again. Right. So in other words, like 90% of people do, they're like, okay, you know, I'll shape <laughs> <Right>. up. <laughs> so it is the case that it works, but the problem is it has to happen once. Right. And if you just know, so say you go into community and if it's very clear everywhere. So for example, on the platformer, um, my guess is we'll have some language when you publish a game, when you publish a level, we'll be like, Oh, we're gonna By tell the you. way, yeah, if you fuck around, we are you are banned if forever. You're like spelling <laughs> weird shit with blocks in here. If you're, if you we know, see one goddamn swastika, oh yeah, you are you are so to the ground. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we're we're just done with you. Um, well, yeah, so I think our I think our plan is to make it so that you are just banned from publishing levels. Yeah. Hmm? So basically, the thing that allows you to put content out for other players to enjoy. If you're if you're y- using that to actually ruin other players' experience, then you just you don't just get don't to do get to anymore. use it anymore. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of this is too is, and we talk about this a lot, trying to figure out what is it, what's the right strategy. Because what what feels good is is, and I think for something like esports, you gotta you gotta fire people and ban them from yes. from the game because those are real people. You can see them. You know, mm-hmm. there's and and the relationship is very clear. People are signing contracts and shit. That's mm-hmm. very understandable and unambiguous. And also, it's a much much more tightly controlled in a smaller group of people. When it comes to an online game of some sort, I don't think that that I don't think that banning people is necessarily the right strategy, but not because they don't deserve to be banned. I think this is where the conflict comes in, mm-hmm. you know, because we want to punish people, right? Because it because like, throw them out of the bar, yeah, because you're fucking angry at them, yeah. right? like you want to punish them. <laughs> right. But the problem with with cert, especially certain kinds of punishment and the and the kind of people that you're punishing mm-hmm. is that most of them uh, are real full of themselves and they cannot possibly believe that they were in the wrong. Yeah, it's I mean, literally yeah, impossible yeah, the, for them the to believe The usual explanation people say is, I was playing this game and then I got permanently banned for no, for no reason. reason. Yeah. 
or for because no somebody reason. couldn't take a joke, right? And right, whatever. I mean, yeah. right, started doing this thing where they would just include the chat log associated with whatever your band was. So yeah. that, like, with the like, hey, you got banned. Here's the Here's chat. what you said. Yeah. And that way you can't be like, well, for no reason. It's like, well, actually, you know. And of course, they're, they're <laughs> trying to cut down on customer service requests. Yeah. You know, so I, I, I get that. Right. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but the, problem, so the problem with banning somebody is that now you've taken somebody. You've, you've cut off access, completely cut off access to, to a thing that they've spent a bunch of time in. Uh, and they're incapable of seeing that as a fair action, mm-hmm. you know. And so now, where's their time going to go? Mm-hmm. It's either going to go into another game or it's going to go into trying to bring you down or get around the ban. Right. Right. And so if a person, like if their friends are in that game, if they've played a fuck ton of that Mm -hmm. game, now you, the company have become their enemy. And now they got all this time because you're not playing your game anymore. Right. (laughs) Uh, And so, so we, we talk a lot about, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to say anything specific about what we're going to try to do. Cause of course people are going to try to find that and use Mm -hmm. that against us. Uh, but, but we're trying to come up with strategies that, that reduce that as much as possible. Right. So, so that it's not a banning first, just get people out strategy. It's a, how do you just keep people from doing harm? Well, it's kind of, so it's not about punishment. It's about prevention of harm. Right. To me, this, this is the, why I love, uh, so Twitter has a, a mute button as well as a it's, block button. The mute button is great. Mute, is great yeah, muting somebody button. is so much better than blocking them. Cause when you block somebody, they know they've been blocked. Yep. They, and again, now they, they get angry about it. They yell at you. Right. They, they yeah. will find ways. But if you mute them, they, they can send you messages all day. Yep. Mm-hmm. And you will never see a single one of them. Yep. So they still get to feel like they're beating up on somebody. They're just mm-hmm. shouting into the void. And you get the satisfaction of knowing that they're spending all day yelling at nothing. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> so everybody gets to win then. Mm-hmm. Yep. So well, I think, and the beauty of this is, is if this was much more widely adopted, then the sort of uncertainty around it would make it so that if somebody didn't get a response when they were trying to harass somebody, you know, then now they'd be like, well, I don't even know if these are going through. Like, and now you have to decide, am I going to keep, now you're going to get kind of embarrassed. You're like, am I just yelling into a void? You know, does nobody even see What's these happening? horrible things that I want them to see? You know? yeah, you're I mean, you're uh, assuming a high level of self-reflection. Yeah, yeah which, is, <laughs> right, which is perfect because they're not going to have that. And so what they're going to do instead is just, they're just, just going to tire themselves out. Yeah. Well, there was screaming really, and then they won't be screaming at somebody else. Right, yeah. There was a really interesting article and in, I think it was in Polygon talking to uh, a few devs about this, basically this problem that harassment is is somehow become part of the job description for uh, dealing with harassment for, uh-huh. for devs um, to the extent that, you know, if you're on Twitter now and you make a patch, someone's going to tell you you should go die or whatever else. Mm-hmm. Um, like someone, someone said that they were happy. I got cancer at one point. Like we had all sorts of really fucked up stuff happen. And yeah, we just mute it and then we just move on. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is like the fact that that's sort of a just par for the course, for some reason it's like culturally fine yeah. for a lot of people to do is just real weird. Yep. Really weird. Um, and I think it's, it's one of those things that it, it, of course coming into, if you know one of those people, by the way, just make sure you, you just take them and punch you, them. In the no, face. no, no, no. <laughs> repeatedly. You just, no, I until mean, they die. You, you, just gently, <laughs> you just gently sit down with them. You look them right in the eyeballs and you say, you know, you're a piece of shit. <laughs> and then you punch them in the face. So yeah, then yeah. you can punch them after that. That's not, fine. yeah. But to be clear, we aren't advocating that people commit acts of violence against right. this is one why, another. This is why I say well, just, just tell them they're a piece of shit. That's fine. That's, that's fine. fine. <laughs> so I think it's one of those things where, I mean, you know, it's just, it's just weird. And I think this next, this next kind of chunk of, I think the internet is going to be figuring out this particular problem, I think, in a, yeah. in a cultural way. It started with the Wild West and everyone was like, this is, this is where freedom of speech is truly free, where mm-hmm. you can just, there are no rules and no laws and, you know, nothing. And, uh, man, that was bad. That was a bad move. Yeah. It's starting to get 
And it's all fucking anonymous. Yep. So I think things are going to be changing a little bit. And and there's been plenty of attempts from various companies to try to wrangle this stuff. So we'll we'll have a go at it. We'll see how many death rates we get (laughs) for for making a level building game. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, we're just, gonna get some. Let's just let's <laughs> gonna, back up and look at that. Let's make a, for a let's sec. make a fun a fun toy for people to play with. Where they can make their own platforming levels and play. Oh, so here's a question. Speaking of fun, how toys, many death threats does that lead yeah, to? If you, <laughs> if you just made like a toy, if you made like a like a little you know action figure, how many people who make action figures do you think get death threats? Oh, tons. I bet all of them. You think so? Yeah. yeah. How many parents have you met? Oh, that's true. Yeah, we, we did talk. <laughs> to, we did talk to that one parent that one time. That was not fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. Parents get real protective. Mm-hmm. And they, turns out, are also people. And which turns means, out people are pieces of shit. Yep. And I mean, how many of these people on the internet who are saying all these horrible things? I bet a lot of them are parents. Yep. It's weird. You know? So, hey. Cut it out. Uh, uh, yeah. And so, the rest of them are those parents' kids. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, so, I mean, no matter what, Ugh. you will find these folks in all walks of life. Disgusting. All right. Yep. Uh, so let's we got we got to blaze through the remaining news because we're we got to get at least one question. Let's out, go. All right. <laughs> all right. Next piece of news. We got to hit this real quick. On Gama Sutra, there is a blog post which everybody should read as a perfect example of really bad statistical analysis. Mm-hmm. And we're gonna put someone on blast here. Raf Coster, who wrote with a, a K, book. no relation. Wrote no a book relation. called the Theory of Fun for Games. Uh, it's a very widely popular book. Um, I've read it. I personally didn't derive didn't too much from lot. it, but apparently a lot of people enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, this this blog, this post on Gama Sutra is really weird. It's called The Cost of Games. Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of weird metrics that he's using. Uh, well, to me, the most the most hilarious part of the whole thing is that, actually, sorry, there, there are two super hilarious parts. He, he sort of prefaces the thing talking about a forecast he made. If, and by the way, if you ever hear somebody say, here's my forecast, just walk away. Whatever comes next, that's not valuable information to you. Uh, but he said, you know, the last forecast, he's like talking about something, some big talk he gave in 2005 or something uh, about some sort of uh, bottoming out kind of event in the industry. And he made some little, so he, talk, he mentioned that in the top of this post and then, and then sort of as, a, as an aside, uh, sort of said, made some little comment about how that didn't come to pass because, you know, these major changes in the industry happened. And this is why you can't forecast things. And he's like, but things, this time, here's my forecast yeah, for but real. And then, for, and then without, like, without, there, won't, there won't be any unforeseen events this right, time. Without I, recognizing <laughs> the irony, he just goes right into this next set of forecasts. And then these forecasts, he admits at the very top. He's like, my data set's very limited. It had like 250 data points in it, right? My data set's very limited. It's skewed toward AAA, which means it's not even just AAA. So it's even more limited because it's just a random smattering of 250, which is almost zero games, right? Uh, and then he just does this like number crunch and kind of shows stuff on graphs. And then he even says, I use the the naive approach of just putting a ruler on my screen to, to sort of like- To find the- To estimate a trend line, right? Yeah. And, <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, so the whole thing is just fucking wacky. My favorite, my favorite line was, he puts up a graph, and then the immediate next sentence is something along the lines of, now don't put too much stock in this graph because, and then he explains yeah. why his data is bad. Right. <laughs> So, like, so why is that, this graph here? Is that, this is the thing that was, so, that was so crazy to me because he seems like a smart guy who was actually being thoughtful about all of this, right? And as you should, if you're doing any analysis at all. Uh, and, and the reason he did things like just put a ruler on the screen and draw it was because he was making the point that this is very noisy. You know, these are like anything I put on here is not going to be accurate, right? But he then, despite the fact that he's, he's clearly smart and he's, and he's thinking about this in a smart way, he goes on to make forecasts anyway. 
and then spits out a bunch of opinions about what we should be doing as a, as an industry and, and we as developers as part of the industry to sort of offset these inevitable futures that we're heading towards, you know, these forecasts, these forecasts. It was so real weird. So, weird. you know, we, you, you should question everything that you read just period or listen to Yeah, or the smarter to. somebody sounds, the more careful you gotta be because mm-hmm. they might be making stuff up <laughs> even on accident, right? Even on accident. I, yeah. That, well, that yeah, was the part that was so baffling to me is like, yeah, I, I is, you know, one side of your mouth talking about how this is very noisy. It's, you know, you can't, this doesn't mean very much, et cetera. And the other side being like, so here's what I think is going to happen. Right. You yeah. Know? Uh, so, I mean, and it, then it also saying been, the last time I said, this is what I thought was going to happen. It didn't happen. Now, it would have been fine if he said, I tried to do some analysis and I wasn't able to draw any conclusions. Here's why. Because of all the, here's all the right. reasons why this data yep. is bad. Right. Like that would have been a great post actually. Mm-hmm. Yep. But then he went and drew conclusions anyway. Uh, so yeah, I would, I mean, everybody should read this. It's on Gamasutra, uh, gamasutra.com article called the cost of games. It should be in the, like the blogs section. Yeah. Cause it just came out a few days ago. Well, yeah, I think it's particularly important because there were, because of all the comment activity, I can see that people were like getting really behind this idea, mm. uh, which reminds me of all the indie apocalypse bullshit that happened yeah. you know, a few years so ago. So this is, yeah. It, it, as soon as I read that, I heard Adam's voice in my head going, you can't possibly say this, <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> which is Adam's yeah, favorite. You can't possibly know this. You can't, can't possibly know this. Um, yeah. So that happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, other news. Sam got LASIK. Yeah. I now have laser eyes. Yeah. It was, it was rad. You yeah. have, you have a uh, very slight red circular ring around your iris. Yes. They did attach a suction device to my eye to hold it still. And then they pushed on it so hard that I went blind. Yeah. To hold your eye. Cause they got to hold your eye still while they, flat. while they use a and fucking flat. laser yeah. to cut your cornea off. Your cornea off. Did you cornea? So they just like poof, gone. They got to do that. And then you go over and then you, you lay down and they put these like hook things in your eyes. Kind of like uh, clockwork. Or clock. No, I think it was maybe the evil within. There's some other video game where there's a picture of like an eyeball. that's like being hold, held open by some stuff. But it's clockwork oranges. Yeah, it's clockwork. That's it's classic. It looks like that. Yep. It actually doesn't feel bad though. So this is the problem is that this, they have like a, they have <laughs> it's a, quite nice. <laughs> it was fine. And they, it was like, like an eye massage. It well, wasn't quite that good, but like, <laughs> Because they're like numbing your eyeballs a ton. And so you actually can't feel anything. But watching, we watched the procedure before because there's someone else in front of us and they have like a, it's sort of like a surgery bay that you can just watch what's happening. And they have video monitors that are on the eyeballs. So you see a huge close up of the eye. And it's like looking red, pissed off. And there's like hooks in it, in your lids. (laughs) But it was actually like going through, it was pretty much fine. And it took like 10 minutes. It literally took 10 minutes. And then I sat up and... He's like, okay, uh, can you read the clock? I look over and I was like, yes, weird. And, <laughs> and your vision's real cloudy. It's like, so I guess the, the best way I, I would put it as far as the, the whole LASIK experience goes is when you, once you get it done, it's it's a lot like if you were a kid and you spent like too much time at the pool. And, you know, like your vision gets kind of like clouded because like so much chlorine is in your eyes, right? Yeah, you're you're going chemically blind. Basically. So that's a, that's a basically how you how you come out of the surgery. Like everything's real cloudy. Um, and then about half an hour later, it starts kind of stinging a bit, but, and they, they're like, someone was like, oh, or like the receptionist was like, oh yeah, it's really not fun. But I was like, this is fine. I just laid on the couch with my eyes closed for four hours. And during that time it went, it sort of, it ramped up a little bit, but again, it, it pulling it back to the swimming metaphor, it felt just like a, like a bad chlorine sting. Mm-hmm. Not even horrible. Just like, like your eyes were just kind of dried out. Yeah. Just like kind of ow. And then had a rough afternoon. Yeah. And then weirdly four hours, it's like just four hours later, the pain just stopped. 
Like it was just like off. Eyeballs do heal real fast. He was fucking weird. And then <laughs> and then I could just look around. And so by and then you're fine. Yeah. So I got the surgery at one and then by six o'clock. So I was very confused. Cause I was like, I literally had my eyes ripped. Yeah, you're like, I thought this was supposed to be, yeah. be a surgery. And then <laughs> by about six o'clock, I, you know, I turned to my wife and I was like, do you want to, like, should we go out? You want to go like, watch a movie? <laughs> <laughs> like, I got to use fine. these things. Yeah. Um, and then it's been really weird because actually at night, what I'm used to at night is if I don't have glasses on, also I, I pushed imaginary glasses up on my face yesterday while looking in a mirror. That was weird. And then you just poke yourself. In the yeah, mirror. Yeah. Like and then um, <laughs> you're like, oh, yeah, I'm looking in the mirror. I can see myself. So I must be wearing habit. glasses. Yes. Yeah. Right. And yeah. then at night uh, I usually take out my contacts, right? Right before bed. So if, you I, poke, if you I just poke yourself in the eye. Well, so, but I had this like, really intense drive to like, yeah, to do that. So they say like to yeah. go in the bathroom and like make it so I can't see anymore. Which I could do in a very horrifying way right now. But, That's um, true. But yeah, so it's Take been, your corneas it's been off. I think the worst part is actually just wearing the goggles at night because you're not supposed to like rub your eyes, right? And the problem is the goggles don't, they're not actually goggles. So they don't. They look they don't, like, they look like a safety goggles that you wear yes. when you're, you know, cutting uh, wood or something. So they like actually that. have huge you holes. You get like a ski mask, like a ski goggles. Better. Yeah. Because they actually be have huge holes, right? Yeah. So I woke up. Yesterday, because I was rubbing my eyes. Do you want to borrow some of my swimming goggles? I don't want to wear. I don't want to wear like tight goggles. You can you can loosen loosen the shit, loosen them up. But what I found, they just need to block block access just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So because I was wearing ski goggles though, that's definitely. (laughs) If I get lazy, I'm going to get myself some ski (laughs) goggles. Pop them on. Yeah. That's actually been the worst part because they're they're so loose that you can't, and they're not like ski goggles where they're sort of attached to your head. Yep. Meaningfully, and so, so they're I basically they're basically glasses. They're basically glasses. So, so they were like, glasses they're like you know how you were trying to escape. Well, now it's even worse. Yeah. Except now you're going to keep escaping because you're doing it in your sleep. Uh-huh. But I think the so the overall you know we talked about talking about the surgery experience. The overall thing was actually perfectly fine. I think the, for the funniest part about it is that uh, I went to a, it's a LASIK Plus, which I think is like a chain all over the country now. You know, just your regular sort of fast food LASIK basically. joint. Yeah. And <laughs> it's funny because like they're very intense about social media stuff, right? And so. As I was going to surgery, they're like, oh, you can Facebook live video this if you want. Like they have like a setup there. So you can just like put your camera, like your phone or whatever, and just do it. And I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I am so not into this, you know. You got and, a fucked up dystopia are we well, in But it's also hilarious because. I mean, it's pretty cool. Being able to see with a, a relatively minor procedure is a great, it's a great pitch, right? Mm-hmm. Get behind that. Don't watch it. If, yeah. If, you're, if your pitch is like, have, have all your buddies also want to get LASIK by watching you have your eye flattened and then cut and cut flattened, open. cut flapped open and shot with a laser yeah. <laughs> that's you know, that's not as good of a pitch yeah. i have to opinion. admit though so i watched two percent i went to watch because mm-hmm. i want i want to do this but i have weak ass baby eyes mm-hmm. <laughs> where they they I, my eyes are very sensitive they cries. they start watering mm-hmm. just at the like if, if somebody like picks up a flashlight my eyes just start watering because like what if they pointed at me <laughs> <laughs> so uh, and I've never been able to do contacts. I've never been able to do eye drops, just anything. And so I was like, I'm going to go, I'm going to watch this, see what it is. I watched, I watched a woman go before Sam, uh, and it was horrifying. And then, but then after I kind of got over it, I watched it happen to Sam and I was thinking, okay, I could seems fine. I could see myself doing this except for the, the recovery period for that extra couple of weeks. You got to be putting eye drops in all the time. And I can't do that. You're more so. worried about the eye drops. Yeah. About- <laughs> well, because the fact is, if I'm if I'm being held down on a table mm-hmm. with a, a suite of you know of medical professionals around me, and they are attaching instruments to my face, I'm I'm kind of looking at that sort of like going to the orthodontist. Sure. You know, mm-hmm. I'm going there. I've got this weird fucking horrible metal apparatus in my mouth. 
or maybe at the dentist, you know, they're stabbing you in the gums right. with that with that spike that they. I don't know why they do that. But that's just one of those things, <laughs> right? And so, you know, I've many times in my life I've laid down on a table and been face up times. and had horrible things done to my face. Yep. Yep. You know, that's something I'm very used to. <laughs> uh, but then it after that I never had to put eye drops in, <laughs> which is worse. So, so what I did was after Sam's LASIK. I said, I'm going to fucking do this. Yep. And it's 2018. Yep. Could so I got to do it. So I went, I went to the Walgreens. I got some artificial tears and I went home and I tried to put eye drops. Had <laughs> it go. It went terribly. I, my face was just covered in <laughs> tears. Own tears. In my own tears <laughs> as well as the, t- the artificial tears. And then, oh, then later that night, I said, I'm going to do it. Tried it again all over the place. <laughs> and then the next morning, I just next morning, I woke up. And I was enraged and I ran into the bathroom and I just, just like, myself in the like yeah! <laughs> I wrenched my eye open and just shot the eye drop. And I was like, yes. And I got it. I got it in there that I did the other eye with the same level of intensity. See, the thing is like the level of, of intensity and trauma that you're experiencing from putting these eye drops in is already just so much more than what. But here's the thing. Here's me. the thing. By now. So this morning I woke up, I woke up, I went in the bathroom, grabbed the eye drops, I just, I just looked up, let out a battle, pulled my eye open, dropped it right in. Oh. I was like, yes, I did miss the other eye, but I'm working on that. <laughs> and then, and then, uh, once I get, once I get that down, then I got to spend some time just poking myself in the eye, you know, like when, rub it around. When people use contact lenses, they're always just putting their finger in their eye, yep. you know, and apparently that's a fine thing to do. <laughs> It's whatever. And so I need to, I need to desensitize my eyes to, just to the concept Definitely of having things in them. Yeah. First. I wash my hands first and then just yeah. kind of poke myself in the eye. <laughs> just do that for five, five minutes a day, uh-huh. you know? Well, I don't think you really need to poke yourself in the eye because you're not going to have to do that. <laughs> yeah. But music. somebody's going to be poking me in the That's eye. That's true. Right? When you go but they're going to hold your fucking eyelids open with a deadly, horrible instrument. Mm-hmm. So you're, Listen. you're not going to be closing your eyeballs during that process. Listen, I got real <laughs> strong eyelids. I don't know if their equipment <laughs> can, can, handle it? can handle it. I need to be able to cooperate because if, mm-hmm. if <laughs> not, true. I'm going to, I'm just going to rip those claw things right out of their hands with my snapping shut, <laughs> snapping turtle eyelids. <laughs> Uh, okay. I'm glad you finally overcame this. This has been like a 20, this is my a entire life. I remember I have, I have vivid memories of even being in, uh, in I think second grade and I had some kind of an eye thing and I had to do eye drops. I, c- I couldn't fucking do it. And the nurse was trying to get them in there and I'm just screaming, <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, it was a, <laughs> it's been bad. It's been bad my whole life. So I'm doing it. It's 2018 That's now. Right. So who gives a shit? Mm-hmm. All right. Sam, you had one more thing you wanted to talk no, about. We'll skip it for this week. We have, we have enough. All right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's get on to a question, I guess. Uh, <laughs> this question comes from podcast.bscotch.net. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, podcast.bscotch.net. As, as would others if yeah. we were to answer more. Uh, which, you know, we already talked about how that whole thing works mm-hmm. yep. earlier. It's real good. It's real good. All right. First question comes from Wondering Monster. Seth, you mentioned liking Eve online. What kind of dastardly deeds have you gotten up to in there? Mm. So for those who don't know about Eve online, it's a game, but it's not really a game. It's more like a sandbox 
You build spaceships and there's no there's no point. The best thing to do <laughs> is if you don't know what it is, look up the video uh, This Is Eve, which yeah. is a great trailer for it, which is all basically player capture video. A bunch of people screaming while trying to essentially do Just various- blow each other up, basically. <laughs> yeah. Various military procedures. Yeah. So Eve is, is a unique game in the sense that the content for the game is the other players- um, you know, kind of like what you would see in something like a first-person shooter or whatever, except for the fact that that Eve is an MMO, and so there's thousands and thousands of other players roaming around in their sh- in their ships in space. Mm-hmm. It's very punishing uh, in the sense that the game has no mechanisms to keep bad things from happening to you, and when bad things do happen to you, there are permanent consequences. Yeah, that's just what happened now. That's what happened now, just like in life, right? right. <laughs> so you go... I'm going to get this super badass spaceship. And this is something that new players do a lot is they go bigger spaceships are obviously better. I'm going to get a big one. Mm-hmm. Turns out bigger ones are real expensive. Uh, and bigger targets. And there's, there's kind of, there's multiple dimensions of, of sort of understanding in the game in terms of what to do, what not to do, how to do things, mm-hmm. you know, how to fly your ships well and stuff like that. And, uh, it's not it's not like an RPG where just, you know, being a higher level means you just get to kill things now um, because there's no rules. Right. Mm-hmm. So you may buy this big ship as a newer player, spend all your money on it. And then because you don't know what the fuck you're doing, you don't know where to go. You have no friends to back you up. You just take your ship somewhere that you shouldn't have gone. And then like 200 Russians show up and, <laughs> and which there's a, there's an entire section of space populated by Russians. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that's just the way it <laughs> is. <laughs> uh, 200 Russians show up and just in their tiny, tiny little cheap ships that they don't give a shit about. And they just blow you up like that. Um, and so it's, it's really, it's a very interesting experience. So what have you so, done? What's your dastardly what, deeds? I haven't done anything super dastardly. I was trying to uh, to pull off a heist, mm-hmm. but it was. Have you given up on the heist? Well, I'm biding my time. Mm. Uh, <laughs> so, so uh, the way that that ships are built in the game is with these things called blueprints, mm-hmm. and it's basically just an item that you use to. Uh, to sort of like you install it into this interface and then you use that. It's like a recipe, right? Like gotcha. in Crashlands. Um, and there's two types of blueprints. There's copies and there's originals. Originals can be researched for efficiency of time and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And they're very valuable because you can use originals to create copies and then sell those copies to people. Gotcha. So original blueprints are very, very uh, pricey. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and just coincidentally, blueprints take almost no cargo space. Because they're super, super tiny. Okay. So you can steal a shitload of them mm-hmm. if you can manage to get access to them. And so uh, so one of the things that people do when they pull off heists is they they join a player corporation, a player group. They try to work their way up the chain of command mm-hmm. uh, by just, you know, being a really good member of the group, right? And taking initiative and taking leadership roles and stuff. And then as soon as you get access to the section of the corporation's sort of inventory where they, where they keep their <laughs> blueprints, you, you get, you get a tiny, tiny, super fast ship. That's really hard to, to catch. You just load it up with all the blueprints and then you just get the fuck out of there. <laughs> <laughs> and now they're yours. Right. That's it. No, they can't, they can't do anything about it. And if they, if they blow your ship up, they're probably going to destroy most of the blueprints. So that sucks. You, <laughs> you got them now. Yeah. Right. And so, it's something I've always wanted to try, uh, and I'm, I'm working on it. 
but it's, it's a long game. It's a nice outlet for sort of getting out some conniving and some subterfuge that you don't really get to do in the real world because there's too many consequences, right? Yes. Well, I mean, not only that, but like this, this is, it's weird because on the one hand you can go, oh man, like these players were building up this corporation and then somebody just stole everything. But the fact is that, that Eve players love this shit. Yeah. Like even <laughs> if it, even if it happens to them, they're like, oh man, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> but damn, but awesome. Right. <laughs> Because uh, that's, yeah, it's kind that's of like part of the experience. Yeah, it's like when you're playing chess and somebody puts you in checkmate, and you're like, fuck, I spent the whole game building right. up this strategy, right? You're like, well, I guess that's how it goes because right. it's chess, right? Um, yeah. So it's a very interesting thing. So unless, still, you're, unless you're a bad sport. Yes. Yeah, but those people don't last in that game. No, they wouldn't play you. They, they, start, <laughs> they start playing, they get blown up the first time and they realize they scream a bunch probably. Is, and, mm-hmm. Yeah, they're like, my yeah. ship is gone. And then they just stop playing. So yeah. um, let's hit... Uh, one more question because that yeah, was pretty quick. Sure. Uh, all right. Uh, next question comes from I'm I am Cade who says sorry if you have already had this question. I've only listened to about half the podcasts. Well, you better better get on mm-hmm. that. Uh, what is the craziest and creepiest fan interaction you guys have had? Creepiest. I don't think we've had any creepy we've had ones because mm-hmm. our, fa- our fans are fucking awesome. Yeah, they're pretty yeah. red. I think the craziest one. This isn't one that I had personally. Was just that uh, during Pixel Pop, mm-hmm. uh, we had a we had a fan drive from Connecticut, Connecticut to St. Louis to St. Louis to come say hi, uh-huh. which was pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, so we mm-hmm. hung out. It was really fun. I think the crazy one for me was actually shortly after Crashlands. I was just walking into the grocery store and with my butterscotch shirt on, and some like probably fifteen year old kids walking out, and he looked at me, and I looked at him, and then he goes butterscotch, and I go yeah, and he goes. Sam? And I go, yeah. And he goes, huh? <laughs> and then he just like ran out of the grocery store. And I was like, that was fucking weird. <laughs> but all right. That was fun. I dig it. Uh, yeah, no creepy ones, thankfully. Well, that, you know, we've talked, we've talked about our Ashley Birch experience at GDC before where we had that. Yep. It's a, it's, it just happens. You know, mm-hmm. you know about people. Yeah, it's dumb because we're all just people, you know, for some reason. Mm-hmm. Just becomes terrifying yep. when you meet them. <laughs> Couldn't talk to her. <laughs> you run away. Tiny Tina. But yeah, if you see somebody, if you're if you're in St. Louis and you see somebody wearing a butterscotch shenanigans shirt, there's pretty good chance that it's one of us. Mm-hmm. Pretty good chance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you have any doubt, I think I'm pretty sure our pictures are on the website. <laughs> so yep. You could you could put two and two together, mm-hmm. get your phone out, and be like, hold on, and then look it up, <laughs> and then you'll yep. know, and then just come say hey, and we'll just chat for yeah. for entire moments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. At least. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. Uh, we'll we'll try to get to some more questions next week. Maybe. Who knows? Maybe. We'll see. We're what not going to try to do anything. We're just doing We're just doing whatever. We're just going to whatever happens, happens. Mm-hmm. That's what we're going to. 20, 20 great team. Yep. 20 great team. All right. Well, we'd like to thank our producer, Fat Bard, for making us sound good. Uh, thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord and forums running. If you'd like to get more involved in the community here, you can hop into our Discord server, which is at discord.gg slash bscotch. Come say, hey, we've now got just like 220-something folks Rascals. just just rascaling around in there. We have a whole bunch of channels for um, people who are into game development, who are making games. We got a channel for writers. Mm-hmm. We actually realized that we actually we have this community of people who are all just really into creating things. Mm-hmm. So we kind of broke our Discord server out into having these different channels. Well, nobody actually talks in the writing one. Well, not, writing. well they're too busy writing yeah. is the yeah. thing. But yeah. not writing messages. In but especially during <laughs> National Novel Writing Month, that channel is going to be it's off hot. the hook. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got that. There's a music channel. There's an art channel. So there's people making all kinds of cool stuff in there. So if you're just into 
you know, making things or talking about making things at least. Or talking to people. <laughs> or being a person or talking. If you're into, you know, just not being dead, hop into our Discord server. Again, mm-hmm. that's at discord.gg slash Which wasn't a threat. It was just sort of a general comment. Oh, no, it's a, <laughs> that's, that's a death threat. It's a, <laughs> it's a real deal. If you're into not being dead, <laughs> show up. <laughs> You better get in there. All right. Well, if you also, if you'd like to adorn your body with butterscotch merch, you can check out our merch shop, which is at shop.bscotch.net. And if you'd like to send us stuff uh, that isn't alive, you can send us stuff to our mailbox, which is over at mailbox.bscotch.net. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.